Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is Season 7 of Guerrilla Christianity. My name is Pastor Brett Walker, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Guerrilla Christianity, an unconventional no-apologies exposition of God's grace from an evangelical Methodist point of view. Now, the Word of God is central to all we believe, so let's get into God's Word right now. And I would ask you to please remain standing for the receiving of the gospel message. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your, from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And going down to verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening for instruction, and we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your holy word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We come to Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is the day that begins the observance of a season that we call Lent. On the back of your bulletin, I printed a short blurb that comes from our book of worship about what Lent represents, what the season is all about. It's a season of self-denial. We know this because we're always asked, especially, or we ask other people, what are you giving up for Lent? Seems to be the common question. In fact, it was the, the question uh, that was the answer for Final Jeopardy last night. I found that fascinating. Um, they asked, uh, what, did, um, what did Susan Boyle, what was the question that Susan Boyle answered as donuts? <laughs> and the question was, what did you give up for Lent? Well, we know what Susan Boyle gave up. It's also, it's not just a season of self-denial, it's also a season of preparation. Yesterday was a day that we, in the church, we call it Shrove Tuesday. The word Shrove comes from uh, an old English verb, which is to shrive. And to shrive 
means to confess one's sins and to be absolved. Uh, so Shrove Tuesday was a day when people would go and they would confess their sins. And there would also be a feast. The feast was designed in an age prior to refrigeration to get rid of all the food from the house that would spoil over 40 days that you were not going to eat for the next 40 days. These were things like meat and eggs and dairy. And a lot of times they would take the eggs and the dairy and they would mix it with flour and they would make pancakes. That's why sometimes people will have a pancake dinner for what we call Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras really is a, it's a French term. It means Fat Tuesday. Uh, and it really is kind of a, an American institution more than anything else. Although it is celebrated in other parts of the world. It's certainly celebrated in New Orleans. It's also celebrated in Rio de Janeiro as Carnival. And it's a celebration. It's, it's become uh, a more secular holiday and really one of indulgence rather than preparation and getting rid of the food that you're not going to eat for Lent. Pretty sure a lot of the revelers on uh, Mardi Gras are going out the next day for pancakes. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. In the Christian tradition, Lent is a season of preparation and it's a season of self-denial. There are three preparations that we undergo for the season of Lent. First, we prepare for renewal. Traditionally, the season of Lent was a time for uh, new Christians, people who had decided to make uh, Christ their Lord and their Savior in their lives, for them to go undergo what's called a catechesis, religious instruction given to a person in preparation for Christian baptism or confirmation. They would learn about their faith during the 40 days of Lent, and then at the end of Lent, on Easter Sunday, there would be a tremendous baptism and a number of new converts to Christ would come forward, give their lives to Christ, and be baptized into the body of Christ. We get the idea of catechesis from the Bible. Back Acts uh, is the book that records the early church. And in Acts chapter 8, uh, we meet an evangelist named Philip. Philip is told by an angel of the Lord to go south uh, from where he was, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert place there. It's in the Negev. So he went, and on the way, he saw an Ethiopian eunuch who was a court official of Candace. She was the queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? It's a very important question. Sometimes people will read the Bible and they don't understand what they're reading and they need to be instructed. So he asks this eunuch, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian replied to him, 
How can I unless someone guides me? We all need a guide when we first come to Christ. We are infants, just like newborn babies. We need to learn how to live in this new life that we are given. We've been living wrapped up in the world, and now we are born into the kingdom of heaven. Now we need to learn how to live, and someone must be there to instruct us. When we are born as infants, that's usually our parents who instruct us in how to live. But when we come into the Christian life, it's usually a, a teacher, um, not necessarily a preacher. There is some instruction that is received from the pulpit, but a lot of instruction is also re received in small groups and in personal encounters. Have you ever had somebody just come up to you and say, you know, I read this thing in the Bible and I don't understand it. What does it mean to you? That's exactly what the Ethiopian was asking uh, Philip. He said, how can I understand this unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The passage from Isaiah chapter 53 regarding the suffering servant, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. But the eunuch said to, said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. You see, there's some instruction, some preparation that happens before we are baptized. Earlier uh, this year, when we were doing our baptismal uh, reaffirmation, there was a, a woman here, that some of you know, who uh, stood up and said that she had never been baptized. So we were doing the, the uh, baptism, I said, here is water. What is preventing her from being baptized? She sat here week after week. She's been instructed. I felt confident that she understood what she was uh, devoting her life to. And so we also went through what's called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed was in the early church used as an affirmation of faith, but it was also used as an instructional tool. New converts to Christ would be asked, do you believe in God the Father? And they would answer, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then they would be asked, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And they would say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And they would go through all the things that we say today in their language, in Greek or in Latin. But those words have not changed over 1,700 years. They are the same words today as they were 1,700 years ago. 
and even before that, when they were used as a, a baptismal affirmation. And so we proclaim what we understand and we proclaim what we believe. We are prepared during the season of Lent to become baptized into the body of Christ. Well, there are many of us here who already are baptized into the body of Christ. But some may not have a close relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so the second preparation for this season is to prepare for relationship. We prepare for renewal, and now we prepare for relationship. See, God draws us into relationship through Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of the time when Jesus, at the Last Supper, when he saw that everything had been given into his hand, when he saw that his time had come, he got up from the table, he stripped off his outer garments, he wrapped a towel around himself, made himself in the garb of a servant, and then he knelt at the feet of his disciples and he washed their feet. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Jesus enters into relationship with us. He assumes the role of a servant. He said that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven would be the servant of all. And in fact, Jesus came as that suffering servant that we read about in Isaiah or that the eunuch was reading about in Isaiah. Jesus told his disciples, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. He was also aware that Judas was still in their presence. Yes, Jesus also washed the feet of the one who would betray him. He says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. And then he finishes with this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. In order to receive God, we must first receive Jesus Christ. And in order to receive Jesus Christ, we must receive the ones who are sent in his name. Now, sometimes that's the preacher. Sometimes it's the person sitting next to you in a pew. We are all sent. We are all sent into the world to proclaim the good news. Jesus, just before he was uh, ascended into heaven, told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people on the earth, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. 
And if we do that, he said, I am with you until the end of the age. We don't go alone. Jesus sends us, but he goes with us. And we are told that if we receive the ones who he sent, we receive him. And if we receive him, we receive God the Father. So we prepare for relationship. We prepare for renewal. And, of course, Lent is preparing for resurrection. It's what Easter is all about. It's why we observe the Lord's Day on every Sunday. It's all about the resurrection. And Paul recognized this. Paul said in his first letter to the Corinthians, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, then how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? There was a contention in the church. Some of the people said there is no resurrection, and other people said, no, there is a resurrection. Paul was saying that if Christ was raised from the dead, then how can you say there is no resurrection? He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That's how important the resurrection is. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. So Paul is saying, if there's no resurrection, then Christ was not raised. And if Christ was not raised, then we're preaching you a, a lie. He says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That's how important the resurrection is. Without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the resurrection, there is no hope for the Christian. There is no hope of eternal life if there is no resurrection. But this is what he says. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The resurrection is that important. And so we prepare for the resurrection. Jesus just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, said to Martha, his sister, the sister of Lazarus, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, she had hope in the resurrection. And this is what Jesus said to her. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's our hope. That is why we are Christian. It is the belief that God sent his only son. He loved the world so much that he sent his only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's why we come here every Sunday. That's why we devote our lives to Christ, because he devoted his life to us. That's why we love God, because he first loved us. That's what John tells us in one of his epistles. This is love, he says. Not that we love God, but that God first loved us and redeemed us to him through Jesus Christ. But in fact, Paul says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, 
because when Adam sinned, death entered into the world. He says, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. There will be a day, friends, when Christ will return, when judgment will come on the earth. And those who are in Christ will be raised up to be with him forever. That is a choice that we make. And that is a preparation we make. We prepare for renewal through baptism. We prepare for relationship with Jesus Christ. And we prepare for resurrection. During these 40 days of Lent, I ask you, or I challenge you, to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for the resurrection. Experience a life of self-denial. Know what Christ went through for us so that we may live for him and through us others may be made alive in Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive your Son into our lives. These 40 days of Lent, Lord, we will experience self-denial in your name. We have set aside some of the good things so that we can enter into the greatest thing, the eternal life. We know that fasting and prayer are not the things that save us, that we are saved only by your grace alone through our faith, which is a gift from you. Everything that we need, Lord, has been set in our hands. And so we are so eternally grateful, Lord, that you have called us to this place, to this moment, that we can dedicate ourselves for the next 40 days and prepare our hearts, prepare ourselves to be renewed, to be in relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we prepare ourselves for the resurrection that is to come. All this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of Guerrilla Christianity. My prayer for you is that you have been blessed in its teaching as I have been blessed putting this message together. God has also blessed me in appointing me to serve two churches in Salem County, New Jersey, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn and Hudson United Methodist Church in Pettertown. And if you live in the area and you don't have a church to call your own, I'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings. Ebenezer meets for worship at 9 a.m. and Hudson meets for worship at 10.30. We also have Bible study during the week. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and would like to help support it, please share it with your friends and family. Hit like, leave a comment, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Guerrilla Christianity. Keep learning, keep growing, and I pray you will join us for Guerrilla Christianity again. Until next time, remember this, Christ died for you, now go live for Christ.